Welcome to Coffee at an Interview. I'm Jacqueline Pena, and I'm here today with Antra Kathleen Boyd from Connected Care Patients Advocates. How are you today? I'm doing really well, thank you. Well, thank you for joining me on the show all the way from Oregon. Thank you to technology. <laughs> I know. Thank you for having me. Um, you're, um, you know, I was really excited to hear about the work you do. I don't know a lot of people who are uh, doing the work that you're doing. And I wanted to give you a chance to start off by telling us a little bit about Connected Care Patient Advocates. What is it that you do? Okay. So Connected Care Patient Advocates is an independent um, advocacy consulting business that actually what we do is we help people navigate the healthcare system. So, and we do that independently, which means that the, we work directly for our clients. So if a patient comes to me, for example, with a cancer diagnosis, I will, they, I pay, they pay me directly. I don't work for a hospital. I don't work for an insurance company. And in this way, I, my interest is solely for the patient. So you know, if, like I said, a patient comes to me with a cancer diagnosis, what that would entail is really, you know, we tailor our services to our clients. But so if a client with cancer comes to me and they, they want to know what their options are, that will be part of my job is to help them research. Do you want to go into a clinical trial? Do you want to do traditional conventional medicine like chemo and radiation? What about alternative options? You know, we, there's a lot out there in the world for cancer patients that, you know, are outside the box of conventional treatment. So sometimes patients want that. Other things we do, we vet physicians for people. I need a new care team. I don't like my doctor. How do I get a doctor that I really like? Um, we do a lot of care coordination. Uh, our healthcare system in the United States is so complex and physicians work in silos. You know, they work in, they work in the operating room, they work in the emergency room, they work in primary care. And the, the way they communicate is very fragmented. And so if you're a patient that has a complex medical diagnosis and you have several different physicians or care providers trying to communicate with each other, oftentimes it falls flat, totally flat. And then people come to us really at their wits end because they cannot get the care that they need. And, you know, we always, me and my, my business partner, who is also a registered nurse patient advocate, we always say that doctors and nurses by and large want to give the, the best care possible. We really believe that. We saw it all the time in the operating room. You know, surgeons really want to practice the art of medicine. That's why they went to school for as long as they did. But they're so hindered by the system. You know, they're hindered by the paperwork, by scheduling, by lack of communication, that really when a patient comes to us like that, they, they're frustrated but because their physicians aren't communicating with each other. But it's not because... The physicians don't want to. It's that they just can't. There's not enough time. They're, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to earn a living and, and they get paid by the number of procedures they do or the number of prescriptions they hand out. And not really, they're never really able to sit down, spend time with the patient, listen to a patient because of the system. Yeah. So patient advocates fill that gap. They come in, they go to doctor's appointments with patients, they ask the right questions. You know, that's the other thing is that in our society, we're so conditioned to think that the doctors know best. 
that we have to do exactly what the doctors say. And while doctors' interests are, you know, yes, we want you to get well, they're not always right. And so how do we get patients to go to an appointment and ask the questions that they, that they need to ask to be truly informed about what's going on in their healthcare? You know, and like I said, mentioned earlier, with lack of time, how, how is a physician even supposed to educate somebody, you know, in a language that they understand? I mean, mm-hmm. I had I had a an experience with a, a doctor's appointment just last week where my my client was hard of hearing, and the doctor came in and gave him like a twenty minute. This is what's going on, and it's a it was a cancer diagnosis, and he talked so fast that I barely understood what he was saying. And if I'm a nurse and I understand medical ease and I had difficulty, he walked out of there and he was like, what did he just say? You know? And so that's like, so like telling of how just frustrating it is in this healthcare system. You can tell I'm like so passionate about this. <laughs> no, passion is great. I mean, it's important <laughs> to have, um, and, and it's what fuels you in this career and in totally. this service yeah. to patients. Totally. Um, you said so many things that were a little scary. <laughs> um, you know, I, you know, um, I can see, I can see the issues with the healthcare, the American healthcare system. I can see the issues with time, the disconnect. I remember once, I can't even remember what the two issues were, but I remember one doctor prescribed one thing for one issue. I had something else going on. Another doctor prescribed something. I carry my medical file with me wherever I go. I know my history. And yet I still ended up getting prescribed prescriptions that were not meant to be mixed. And so um, I know like example of 30 hours later, I was in the uh, in urgent care with some horrible reaction all over my body. <laughs> right. That's a, a perfect example of what we're talking about. Absolutely perfect. Happens all the time. In fact, adverse medication um, reactions are very common. You yeah. know, I mean, preventable death in hospitals is the third leading cause of death in this country. And that's preventable death in Mm -hmm. hospitals. That does not account for disability or harm caused by a a, a medication interaction like you had. Are you serious? That's a high number. That's high. And misdiagnosis in an emergency room is as high as 40%. And you can see why, because if you come into an emergency room, let's just say, for example, with abdominal pain, and you have a physician who's busy, who has very little time, who has no time to read any of your medical record, electronic health records don't always communicate. So you come in with abdominal pain and, you know, there's probably several sort of common pathways that they're going to go down to kind of figure out what's going on. You know, could you have appendicitis? Do you have gallbladder issues? You know, some things that are common, but if they get down one pathway and decide that's what's happening there, there's no other opportunity to kind of explore, well, maybe that's not it. And because they're not hearing the patient's history, you know, per the patient or they're reading the medical record, you know, I mean, unnecessary procedures. I think there's, it's somewhere in the billions of dollars we spend on unnecessary procedures and care due to misdiagnosis. 
billion. That's scary as well. You know, I, I laughed about my situation because it, it thankfully, thankfully it was something easy to treat and I needed steroids and steroids made me gain another five or seven pounds. That's a whole other issue. But, but my situation was not life-threatening. And, uh, and I laugh at the situation I was in, but that situation, for example, taught me how um, complex it is when you are working with multiple doctors, because you have to see one doctor for the heart and one for this and one for that. And now that I care for uh, a parent and I handle the medications, for example, and all the doctor's appointments, just like I do with myself, I carry that folder with me of all of his, you know, blood test results and all the medications and the diagnosis, uh, the diagnosis and the milligrams we give of each medication. And yeah. when do we change to twice as many milligrams? You know, I, I carry all of that because I'm just afraid I'm going to miss a step. And he himself has um, um, memory issues, kind of mm-hmm. like dementia, but not quite. Mm-hmm. And so he's not going to remember any of this. Right. He doesn't remember what he ate an hour ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> the fact that you're advocating for him is is so, so important. But what happens when someone isn't there to advocate for a patient? What if the patient is hard of hearing, like your situation, or speaks uh, a different language than that of the doctor, and, and yeah. there's a shortage of translators? What if it's um, someone who really can't grasp the diagnosis because it's it's so complex like a cancer diagnosis for example and your emotions aren't going to let you um once you hear the diagnosis they're not going to let you kind of process anything else that people are telling you in that appointment yeah exactly i mean that was the interesting thing about um starting this business you know connected care is now in its third year but uh a year into our our business, I was diagnosed with the really rare ovarian cancer. And I had never, I mean, I've been a, a, a clinical nurse in the operating room for 20 years before I started Connected Care. And so I'd, you know, been in the healthcare system a really long time, but I'd never been a patient, not like that. And I really thought that, that, you know, I got this, like, you know, cancer, I'm an advocate. This is what I do. Like, no problem. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to ask the right questions. I'm going to get all the information I need to make it, you know, an, an informed decision and um, no problem. And, you know, I was savvy enough, thankfully, to take my my business partner and registered nurse patient advocate with me. Um, and she came with me as, as did my husband. And it was really interesting because, you know, we sat down and and I had a lot of, I had prepared a lot of questions, but we left that appointment and I kept asking my advocate, like, oh my gosh, I, did I forget to ask this? Did, what about that? And she was like, no, we, we asked all those questions. I'm like, like, I remembered nothing from that appointment. And the funny thing is, is neither did my husband, who is very linear, rational. I mean, it's kind of why I took him because I thought, well, you know, we'll, we'll have like lots of eyes and ears on this. And he walked out of there not, not hearing or really kind of comprehending what was going on. So like, if that happens to me and I understand the medical system, I understand the language. I, I mean, what happens to, you know, your ne- regular normal person who goes in there, Right. Like, so it really changed, you know, how we practice and how we help people navigate because, because, you know, I, I really believe for one, we have to, we have to get people to engage in their healthcare because if, if we're not engaging in our healthcare, it is, 
when something like a cancer diagnosis hits you, like everything goes out the window. So it, it was a really interesting experience. That, the other thing I wanted to mention about that is that before the, the cancer diagnosis, we really thought we could teach people to advocate for themselves. We oh. thought, you know, we can teach people how to ask the right questions. We can teach people, you know, some of the language, how to kind of coordinate their care. Um, and, and that, after getting a cancer diagnosis, I've, we thought, mm, not so much, because when it's a big diagnosis, you know, you, you, can, you can prepare a bunch of questions, but you're not going to remember it. Like I said, you're, you're going to walk out of there and you're going to be like, what just happened? Mm-hmm. So now we're even more passionate about, you know, walking alongside our, our, our patients, clients, and really like, you know, holding their hands so they don't have to do it alone. And really like, you know, being that person, like when they call, I, for example, I had a, a patient who was like, I don't really, I'm not sure that this is the right doctor for me. Is it okay if I switch doctors? Like people don't even know that that's okay. And I was like, absolutely. Like what matters is how you feel with your physician, because that's how we get better is when we have a partnership with our doctor, right? When we can collaborate together, when we can, you know, ask questions, you know, for example, with, with my, my situation in in the cancer, you know, I really saw my oncologist as a guide. He was giving me recommendations about best course of treatment, but ultimately it was my decision about what I wanted to do, you know? And so I really started to research, what are my options? Just because the doctor says that this is what I need to do, doesn't make it true. Granted, very respectful of his knowledge and his, you know, recommendation. Like I took it very seriously, but I also wanted to like know what else is out there and what is right for me. And that's one thing that I really, really try to press upon my clients is what's the right thing for you? Because only you know that, right? No doctor, no family member, no friend, none of those people really know what's best for you. Only you know that. And so I got really busy in that whole experience to figure out what my options were. And I, I mean, I was digging into medical libraries for literature on ovarian cancer and how do you treat it? I mean, my surgeon, my doctor was recommending surgery and Ultimately, it was very interesting because I was reading all this research and I'm like, I am so biased. Like I tossed out every research article that I don't agree with, which doesn't make for a very objective informed, <laughs> right? And so I was like, I, I, I gave it to my husband. I said, here, you read this and drill it down for me in plain person language, right? And tell, and tell me what my options are and then I'll make a decision. And so we, we, he ended up doing this decision tree that had option A, <laughs> option B. And it was great because it was all based on the, the research that was out there. And, you know, two days before my, my proposed surgery, I still had no idea what to do, even though I was really informed. And that's why I say, like, only you know what to do. And so I kind of let it go. And I was like, you know what? I, I'm not sure I want to have this surgery, but I'm just going to just... I'm just going to pause. And so, you know, I did that and I was getting dressed like literally in the morning. I woke up two days before my surgery, getting dressed. And I was like, I know what I'm going to do. And it came from this place inside. Like I knew, 
like it was wisdom. It was like that intuition, our gut feeling, whatever you want to call it, right? And I went into that surgery. I I actually ended up doing, um, following my doctor's recommendation. I went in for a total hysterectomy. I went in there so calm and collected because I knew, right? I, I was informed and I knew what to do. And I, you know, I, it was a rough surgery. The surgery was fine, but you know, it was a rough recovery. I'm not going to lie. And, and I got through it. It was all good. There was some, you know, post-op mistakes that were made regarding pain medication. Again, another example of like the hospital had decided to um, only give me pain medication every eight hours, even though the physician wrote it for every four hours. And then I got stuck on a weekend and I couldn't get more pain medication four hours in. And so you can see the disconnect between what the hospital thinks is the right thing to do and what the physician thinks is the right thing to do. Like, so, you know, it's, it's fraught with, with disconnect all the time. So, um, huh? That's a big word. Disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. Conversation. Yeah. It's a, it's just, it's disconnected, completely fragmented. So, um, so anyway, I knew what to do. I did it. And then, you know, pathology came back two weeks later and even before he said the words chemotherapy, I said, no. And again, like Mm. I knew that that was not going to be the right course of treatment for me. I mean, the pathology report came back with no other cancer. And in fact, the cancer that I had didn't even respond to chemotherapy. And so the recommendation came because they treat ovarian cancer for the majority of, you know, 85% of all ovarian cancers are epithelial in nature, but I did not have that kind of cancer. But because that's the recommendation for ovarian cancer in general, that was the recommendation he gave me. And again, he's coming from a good place. He's coming from what he knows to do as an oncologist, right? Mm-hmm. Like his, his intentions were pure, but it was not like, it made absolutely no sense to me, zero. And that's the part I, you know, where they're not always right, right? And that's the part where when we ask our patients to engage in their healthcare, we're asking, asking them to do what they know to do for themselves, to be informed, to make a decision based on what's best for them personally, not because the doctor tells you that's the best thing to do, right? They're, the, they're your guides. They help you figure out best course of treatment, but they do not decide for you. You so. made some excellent points. You need to decide for yourself. You need to be your own advocate, decide for yourself what's the best course of treatment. And in your case, in your example, uh, which was great advice, you know, that I'm going to, you know, take away from this podcast, this bit of advice, but you, you took the time to do the research and you come from a medical background. We'll talk about that in a moment, but you took the time to do the research. You became very informed. You had an amazing husband who's very organized and put everything on a chart for you. You process the information. You gave yourself time for that information to settle and to get processed internally, because it's more than just um, the, you know, it's, it's more than understanding it. There's an emotional piece to it uh, that you have to grasp as well. And then one day, once you had all that information and it's, it was in you for a while and you processed it, you had your aha moment. This is what, I, this is what I want. 
But even moving forward, there were still challenges and you were always, you know, you learned through the process and you you had open communications, but we still have that disconnect mm-hmm. between all these different uh, groups and entities in the American healthcare system yeah. that can still cause problems no matter how much you inform yourself and try to advocate for yourself but definitely um some some great lessons and and you come with a lot of experience we didn't get to talk about your experience but you actually started out as a nurse in an operating room am I correct that's correct (laughs) and so you have over 20 years tell us a little bit about this experience you have as well in terms of the medical field as a nurse that you're able to bring into connected care patient advocates Oh, sure. So I, um, once when I graduated from, um, nursing school, like eons ago, it seems like, um, I, I went directly into the, um, United States Navy. I served there for six years and that's kind of where, um, I always say the Navy grew me up as a nurse. You know, I became an operating room nurse there and, um, super proud that I was able to serve my country. And when I left, um, the military, I, um, started working in a civilian hospital again in the operating room. And I spent my, you know, 20 years in the operating room. And really it was there that kind of connected care was born because, because of what we've been talking about, the disconnect, the fragmentation of our healthcare system. I was really frustrated inside my own silo. Like I worked for 10 years in a, in a relatively small community hospital, not a trauma center, I mean, 10 room operating room suite is considered fairly small when you stop to think that trauma centers have 25, 30 OR. So just to give you some perspective, and I still couldn't find my way around the hospital because I worked in the operating room. Like I was in my, my silo. And after 10 years, I still got confused. That's so telling of how we, our system is set up in these silos that I couldn't even really navigate super well. My own hospital that I'd been in for 10 years, like I know, no joke. I would always like, you know, turn left when I should have turned right. Like, you know, because I was always in an operating room. Um, but I was really frustrated inside the operating room because, you know, we, we, I would see poor outcomes you know, not, I, I felt like our hospital, the hospital I worked at was so good and we had such a good team, but like, you'd see poor outcomes because of these, these disconnects, you know, for example, I had a patient once and I use this story quite often when I'm, you know, speaking publicly and I call her Mary to protect her. Um, but I walked into her room in the short stay unit and that's the place before surgery where we get our patients ready for surgery. And I usually get about five to 10 minutes with my patient before we roll them off to surgery. And I introduced myself. I said, hello. And, you know, first things first, I'm looking at your consent form. Tell me what we're doing for you today. And she says to me, well, I think I'm having a hysterectomy. And I said, well, that's interesting because your consent form says a hysteroscopy. And those are two very different procedures because a hysterectomy, you know, they take out most of your lady parts. You know, sometimes they leave some, but a total hysterectomy takes everything out. But a hysteroscopy is a procedure where they go inside with a camera to look in your uterus to see what's going on. There's some problems in there, like completely different procedures, And she looked at me and she said, oh, yeah, that's what I'm having. And, you know, our demographic here is pretty well educated. Like, you know, so there wasn't, 
you know, it didn't, I, I wasn't alarmed that maybe she just didn't understand because of, you know, lack of education or whatever. Um, and I said, and I explained to her what the differences were. And then we got the doctor back in the room to, you know, go over risks and all because clearly she was not informed about what was happening. And needless to say, she had a, she ended up having a hysterectomy, not a hysteroscopy. And she had a happy, it was a happy ending, but still like, you can see like, that could have been a really awful outcome. And, and it happened, you know, it happens frequently. I mean, wrong site surgery in this country happens 40 times a week. Now, statistically speaking, that makes it really rare because we do hundreds of thousands of surgeries every day. But would it matter if it was you that got operated on the wrong side? You were one of the 40. Right? No, it would make no difference. Right? So, you know, to me, that's super compelling. Like, what do you mean? 40 times a week. That's, that's insane. So I tried really hard in the system to change things. I was a patient champion for a long time, which was kind of like being a patient advocate, but I worked for the hospital. You know, I was always sitting on, on, you know, in groups where we were trying to get people to communicate better, collaborate better, you know, talk to each other better. And it just, it was a continual, like I'm spinning my wheels which is why I eventually left to do this because I thought, what if I could walk alongside a client with a complex medical diagnosis or, or needing surgery or what have you, and would their outcomes be better? Would they have more success? Would they feel better? Would they have less air? Would they have better care coordination? Would they, would they actually get better? And so that's how that whole, that's how Connected Care was born, was really out of sheer frustration. <laughs> and, but now we come full circle in the conversation. We, we, we started off by talking about your company. Um, and then we, we, into the work you do, and looked at the healthcare system and, and what you experience in the healthcare system um, be, not as a patient, but just as part of it, I really inspired you feel this passion to help yeah. others navigate the healthcare system. And then that led to this creation of this company along with other factors. And then you yourself became a, a patient with, with a complicated diagnosis mm-hmm. as a cancer patient, and then seeing a different side of the healthcare system that then you were able to learn from that experience and enhance the services you provide through your advocacy work. That's right. So it's definitely um, very, very much needed. There's, there's so, you know, it, it, this is actually a little bit of a scary conversation. <laughs> I know, it kind of is. I mean, we all need doctors at some point. We're all part of this healthcare system at some point. And there are many things that work. It's great. It's just that it's, I think it's an overwhelmed, disconnected healthcare system. And that's where we have some of the issues. And also there are different ways of treating different ailments, stigma, illnesses, diagnosis, there's no one way. And I think um, this is a very empowering conversation because you're saying empower yourself. But in the conversations that we've been having, it's so scary because we all have to be part of the healthcare system. And at some point in our lives, we're we're part of it. And really we should be because we want to be we want to take preventative measures. We want to do preventative medicine. We don't want to wait until we have diabetes to see a doctor. We want to prevent 
diabetes, for example. It's one of the ailments that's very common in my family, for example, um, yeah. diabetes. But, you know, if we feel something is really off, we don't want to wait until it's too late to do anything about it. We want to get in there and, and, and take some action as well. So we are going to be part of the healthcare system. But what you're teaching us to do is to empower ourselves, learn everything we can about uh, the healthcare system, our diagnosis, processes. No one can really know the one way, the best way to treat an ailment, an illness, a diagnosis. There's so many different ways to treat everything. And you have to empower yourself with the information so that you can make the decision you want. You want to empower yourself and be able to live with that decision and whatever consequences come with it. Not necessarily bad consequences, meaning, you know, maybe there's there's something that comes along with it. Maybe you will need chemo in, in one example after you take this particular direction in your health care. Right. You want to be empowered to do that. And, uh, and this whole conversation has made me think about that. How do we empower ourselves when it comes to our own health? Mm-hmm. So important. So important. I mean, I, I think there, there's a couple things. There's a national crediting body, body called the Joint Commission. And what they do, they're a regulatory agency in the United States. And they go into hospitals to make sure hospitals are um, practicing to the standard of care. And literally, they when they when you get a joint commission at your hospital, they're looking in drawers. They're ma- I mean, they are going through everything with a fine-tooth comb, which is great. They have issued a statement, a, a national statement that said, says everybody, it doesn't matter who you are or what appointment you're going to, everybody take somebody with you to your appointment. So even if you're going in for a well child check or, a, or obviously you're going to have your parent with you, but, or a, just a physical or something simple, if it's a, a friend, a family member, it doesn't matter. This, this is their statement. You bring somebody with you. And, and, and that, and that is, that's telling, right? If, if the joint commission is saying this, then clearly what we've been talking about is, you know, it's fragmented. It's disconnected. You need a second pair of ears. You need a second, you know, set of eyes. Ideally, having somebody with, you know, a medical background is better because they understand the language and whatnot. But that being said, yes, bring somebody with you. And then to your point, Jacqueline, is, is how do we get healthy? We get healthy by engaging in our health care. And so often, and I mentioned this before, we just do what the doctor says. And we don't really necessarily always understand why they're recommending something and then, or, you know, or why this is the best course of treatment. And, and it's not, it's not a one size fits all, like you said. So, you know, I turned down chemotherapy, but I went to see a naturopathic doctor who specializes in cancer and had, you know, a bunch of, you know, different treatments to make me healthy. But that was because I was really engaged in my healthcare. And I really think that we get well when we know what to do. Like when we follow that, like I, I will tell you when I said no to chemotherapy, it's, this is kind of woo woo, but I could literally feel every cell in my body doing a happy dance. It was like, I got this huge rush of endorphins. It was like, my body knew that was not the right treatment for me. It was crazy. I've never had an experience like that before. And it was, and I was like, oh my gosh, like it it was so amazing. And, and that, from that point on, it was like, I will never be at the mercy of 
the healthcare system or a victim of the healthcare system. You know, I will be informed. I will do my research. And if I can't, then I find somebody to help me. You know, you gather your team. If, mm-hmm. if you're, you know, if you're not a nurse or if you don't have somebody medical in your family, then you, you find your friends, you know, you ask your friends for referrals to doctors that they love. You, you know, you, you get support where you, where you, where you can. Do you know somebody who works at a, at a library? Do you know, you know, you, you just get creative so that you can get yourself informed and, and and there's, there's no better feeling, honestly, than knowing that even with the disconnect and the fragmentation, you, you can still navigate the healthcare system and get well. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 those are some great points that you just made also. And I think it's about being informed and having control, not feeling like, um, like you have to go with whatever anyone's saying and, and lose that sense of control especially when we're having a healthcare crisis, we want a sense of control right. and being able to have that, I think makes a big right. difference in our recovery. And a lot of it is being informed. I also, you know, you and I've talked a lot about um, the negative side of the healthcare system, the silos and, and things of that sort. And I want to make sure that we also touch upon the fact that our doctors and our physicians yeah. and our surgeons, they yeah. are subject matter experts. They work in their side. Most of them work in silos. They know their area. Your, your natural holistic medicine, uh, doctor is a subject matter expert in that area. This other person is a subject matter expert in, on, expert in oncology. And, and we really want to make sure we form partnerships. So we're not saying you're not working with, with these subject matter experts, with these experts who are giving you advice, but you want to make sure that you're informed with all the different areas. It's kind of like forming a community, a power team, yeah. and looking at your healthcare yeah. and, uh, and really trying to make the best decision that you're comfortable with because maybe the decision you're comfortable with is different than the one that that physician is comfortable with, but you can come to terms with that. And Which is, that yeah. this approach. That's exactly what happened in my experience as a cancer patient. Um, and I, you know, I really stress the point all the time in talks and, and in talking with you, I'll stress it again, is that, you know, working in an operating room, you know, we saw physicians struggle on the regular because they were so hindered by the system. And, you know, they went to school for so long and they want to practice the art of medicine, you know, and we thought to ourselves, what if we made their job easier by helping navigate, you know, healthcare with a client so that it took some of the burden off of them so that they could practice medicine better. You know, we think that doctors and care providers by and large want what's best for their patients, but they are hindered by the system. And that's unfortunate. And so we, we always, I mean, doctors love love it when we come to appointments because we reinforce their education. We, we can call them and have a conversation where they can speak in the medical language and we can then translate it, you know? And so, so absolutely it's a partnership. It's a, it's a definitely, I respect, have so much respect for, for doctors, physicians, nurses. Like, I mean, you know, they, they're amazing, amazing. So <laughs> I, I certainly don't want to give the impression that, that you're going to get bad health care because that's not true. It's just they, like the patient, are completely hindered in the system. It's the system that's really set, setting us all up to not have a good experience when, in fact, we can if we know what to do. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for those words, too, to help us understand this community approach. 
and that we are looking at a system that's just so complex mm-hmm. in the U.S. that makes it a little bit tricky. And that's where we need to empower ourselves right. to be able to make the best decisions and move with the right processes when we're looking at our own health care. That's right. Exactly. Um, do you have any final um, thoughts or words of advice for our listeners who all will have to engage with the healthcare system at some point or another, but anything, any final thoughts or words of advice for us? I mean, I'm just so passionate about this because I know people can get good care if they know how to. So, you know, that I'll, I'll leave you Jacqueline with some resources for people. Um, and that will enable people to kind of, you know, check out patient advocacy. And, you know, a lot of times you can, you can find an advocate. And even if you don't want to hire one, advocates are, you know, we're nurses are educators. And so, you know, I'm always happy to like provide tips and, and, and sort of tricks for navigating the healthcare system. I always love having conversations with people. So, you know, I, I think, and a lot of the advocates, the independent advocates in the country feel the same way. So um, I would encourage listeners to not be afraid to reach out if, you know, even if they just have questions and they don't necessarily need an advocate at their side. Thank you so much for that. And a list of resources with links are available in the actual description for this podcast episode so that for our listeners, you can um, go right below that description and see different resources with links that we'll put up there for you. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you, Antra, for being with us today and really talking about the work you do with Connected Care Patient Advocates and for really um, teaching us how to empower ourselves as we navigate the healthcare system, working as a community with our doctors, our nurses, our family members, um, anyone we need to build that team so that we can navigate the healthcare system and make the best decisions possible. Thank you. Perfect.